I don't know if I'm supposed to wait for the numbers on the top up there. Okay, we're good. I don't usually do the welcome. Uh, I want to welcome you this morning uh, to the Newburgh Church of Christ. We're excited that you're here this morning. We are also excited to have the UCC with us uh, from Oregon State. Uh, Josh is going to be providing us with our, our thoughts from the word. Uh, we're going to be led in worship by uh, Jesse and some of the guys from uh, the UCC program. And so we're really excited to have them with us today uh, to help us in our service and, and encourage us. And more importantly than that, that we get to hear what good work is happening uh, through the campus ministry program. Uh, Josh has kind of let me in on a little bit of that, and I'm excited to hear more. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to welcome them this morning uh, after service. Uh, stick around, get to know them a little bit, and hear about uh, what God is doing through them. Um, I think we start with our scripture reading this morning. And so I don't have any particular announcements. Uh, let's go ahead and begin our worship today. Good morning, church. I really wish I could be with you this morning. The University Christian Center folks are with you this morning, and I really would like to be there in person. I'm sorry I can't be. Josh has asked me to do a couple of things, like reading scripture for his, his talk, but he also asked me to do a short reflection on the faithfulness of God. And... There was a time in my life, in my early 20s, when I was really struggling with my faith. I even questioned whether God existed. And I remember praying to God and asking him, I said, God, if, if you exist, make me happy, because my life was a mess. I wasn't very happy. I, didn't, I was in a career I didn't want, and all sorts of things. And um, I prayed that prayer, and then... I, my life started to change, and I started going in a different direction. I started seeking God, and in the process of seeking God, I wound up in Corvallis and became a part of the University Christian Center. It was at the UCC during that time that I, I came to learn how to, to read the Bible for myself, how to question what I believed and, and what I thought, and to seek out the truth in God's word and not to listen to what people were telling me was the truth, but for me to actually try and find the truth and to come to know it. And that made all the difference in my life. And I've, it changed me dramatically. And I think the UCC and the campus minister at that time, a guy by the name of John Sullivan, uh, really had a strong impact on me and changed my life very very much. I tell you that because I believe that that's an example of God's faithfulness. I challenged God to make me happy. And he did. I've had a wonderful life doing things that I've had. A, I had a wonderful life. I had a great career doing what I what I love to do. I mean, I would have done what I did for as a teacher for 30 years for free, but someone was paying me and I thought that was great. And after that, I went into missions, and missions was a wonderful, uh, 
another wonderful experience. So God is faithful. God takes care of us. And I tell you that story because when I was reading Josh's um, scripture for this morning in Lamentations, as I was reading through that, I realized that I was reading the story of my life. And so this morning, I want to read to you from Lamentations uh, chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 19. It says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Holy God and Father, I want to thank you this morning for your faithfulness, for the life that you gave me or have given me and the life that waits ahead of me, for the challenges and opportunities that you are going to put before me to do good things, to do good works. Father, I thank you and praise you for that, but mostly I thank you and praise you for Jesus. For Jesus is my salvation. Thank you for allowing him to come and to die on the cross so that his blood could cleanse me from my sins, so that I could be righteous before you. This morning, Father, I thank you and praise you for all the wonderful things you have done for me. Father, I pray a blessing upon this assembly. I ask you to take care of all of us, open our hearts and our minds so that the Spirit may be able to speak to us today. Again, Father, thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Let's stand and sing. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Therefore I will hope in him. Amen. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. 
Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for our sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. Amen. Stay standing. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. 
When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. seated. I cry out for your hand of mercy to heal me. I am weak and I need your love to free me. Oh Lord, my rock, my strength and Come rescue me, O Lord. You are my hope, and your promise never fails me. And my desire is to follow you forever. For you are God. For your hand of mercy 
Hello. We're good? Yes. All right. Excellent. Excellent. So, a lonely frog walks into a psychic hotline and asks what his future holds. The psychic responds to him, I see in your future there's going to be a beautiful young girl who's very interested in you and wants to know everything about you. The frog says, oh, that sounds great. Will I meet her at a party? No, says the psychic. You're going to meet her in her biology class. I'd start with that joke because today we're going to be talking about the book of Lamentations and it describes the city of Jerusalem going through a hard time. That, uh, that frog had a hard time in his future. Uh, now here's one about inner peace. So they say the way to achieve inner peace is to finish the things that you start. Today I started one Krispy Kreme donut, one bag of chips, two ho-hos and a Twinkie. For some reason I don't feel much inner peace right now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're, I tell that joke because Jeremiah found inner peace even in the midst of a challenging time. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh Stutzman from University Christian Center at Oregon State University. Uh, and I'm also grew up in this congregation for 16 years of my life, so it's fun. I always love coming up here. It's kind of like homecoming for me. Uh, get to see the old stomping grounds. Uh, and I've, another reason I love coming up here is to see all of our alumni. I believe this is the congregation where we have the most alumni. I think six. There might be more than six. Uh, so really fun to get up here. Let's go ahead and start with a prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time to come together, study your word, uh, be encouraged, and hear about what you're doing uh, in the world. Lord, we thank you that you're our God. We're thankful that your steadfast love for us never fails. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the scripture for today is going to be coming from Lamentations 3, 17 through 26. Now, raise your hand if you have ever heard a sermon or a Bible class in church coming from Lamentations. A few of you, it's not a terribly commonly taught book, and for those of you who have studied the book formally, you're really probably thinking, Josh, you chose Lamentations for a fundraising sermon? What on earth were you thinking? Are you crazy? Isn't that book a bit of a downer? Yes, it is a bit of a downer. No, I'm not crazy. Uh, I think this is a perfect text for us today because it talks about God being faithful and his steadfast love in challenging times. And I think that's a perfect message for us today. Uh, it's a lament. You could say, in fact, that this book is the very definition of lament. It's in the name, Lamentations. Uh, however, um, like I said, there is, there's, we're going to be studying chapter 3, which is this brief little pinnacle of hopefulness in the book. Um, so first, a little background on the book. Uh, this book is attributed to Jeremiah, but we don't actually know who wrote it. The book is technically anonymous. Uh, there's a Greek Septuagint translation around 200 BCE that says it's written by Jeremiah, but actually the earliest Hebrew manuscripts that we have have no name attached to it. However, it's written about the fall of Jerusalem uh, when Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians in 597 BCE. And so it was either written by Jeremiah or it was written by somebody who saw the same thing he saw, uh, a very religious person who saw the fall of Jerusalem. So for convenience sake, I'm going to say Jeremiah when I'm talking about the author, just realize 
we don't know that it was him for sure. Um, so here's an outline of what we're going to be talking about today. Maybe the other way. Yeah. Okay. Let me fiddle around with this a little bit here. Okay, there we go. Great. Was that me or you? I don't know. It was, uh, God. All right. Yeah, great answer. <laughs> he says, God, Tim says. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so here's what we're going to be looking at today. First, we're going to go for Jeremiah's world versus our world. We're going to kind of compare the historical situations. Second, I'm going to give you an outline of the book of Lamentations. Thirdly, we're going to go into our actual scripture. And then fourthly, I'm going to give you a UCC report. And then fifthly, we'll do the invitation. I give you this nice little outline because I know some of you need to get to Abby's Pizza afterward and beat the Baptists. So once you, I say UCC report, you can start zipping up those Bibles, getting ready to sprint out. Okay, uh, But uh, yeah, so that, that'll just give you an idea where we're headed. So firstly, we're going to go Jeremiah's world versus our world. Uh, I chose this scripture today because I think 2020 and 2021, it's been a difficult year, right? But I think 597 was an even worse one. Uh, Jeremiah was going through a lot of the same struggles that we're going through, but even on an amplified scale. Yet Jeremiah still finds hope in God's steadfast love and waits patiently for him. I think we can do that as well. So here we're going to go Jeremiah's world versus our world. Uh, let's go. I'm just going to be doing this because it looks like clicker's dead. So go ahead and go forward if you can. And then the next one. Okay, so let's just read this scripture. How lonely the city sits that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who is great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. This is talking about the city of Jerusalem. Uh, and we can identify with this, right? We, uh, at the beginning of COVID, our cities were empty. Right? You could drive downtown Portland, no traffic. It was really weird. Let's go ahead and go to the next one. This is also true of Corvallis, where we work. Uh, so the campus is mostly shut down. There are only 500 students living on campus. There's usually 30,000. Uh, there's a lot of other students who are living off campus in the fraternity and sorority houses, but actually on campus is very shut down. The cafeterias are all shut down, and most people get their food from these food delivery robots. Uh, so it's really, really weird walking around campus. Uh, when I walk down campus to meet somebody or something, I usually see more robots than I see people. And I'm like, well, did the robot uprisings of the late 90s really happen? Are all the people gone? Uh, but no, that's just the way it goes. Uh, so in, in our world, we're, we're seeing these empty cities and empty towns, and that's kind of sad, and we're isolated, feeling lonely, right? But in Jeremiah's time, uh, let's look at... Um, at Jeremiah's time, he was exiled, or his cities were empty, Jerusalem was empty, because the Babylonians invaded and took all of his friends and relatives away captive as slaves. Uh, so he was, saw a similar thing, but kind of amplified. Well, let's go to the next one. Shortages. Right? You remember the shortages at the beginning of COVID? I remember, oh my goodness, we've got all these restrictions. I got to sanitize UCC. I got to have 75% alcohol wipes. And they cost $30 on Amazon.com. This is so expensive, right? Uh, we can't get toilet paper. But let's look at the kind of shortages that Jeremiah faced. Let's go to the next one. 
says all her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. Elsewhere in Lamentations, it talks about children fainting in the streets from hunger. So we've got people in Jeremiah's time who are paying gold, silver, their precious jewels just to get bread uh, because that's how failed their economy is. Let's go to the next one. In our world, we had wildfires, right, uh, this summer and fall. And I don't want to cheapen this. Don't hear me, like, cheapening anything. COVID has been hard. And anybody out there, I know there's people out there, your, your jobs have, uh, your hours have been reduced, pay's been reduced. We know our loved ones have caught COVID. I know some of you have lost loved ones. I know some people in this congregation were affected by these fires too. So I'm not cheapening it. These are real disasters that we had. Uh, I remember at our church when the fires came through, we were blessed. Uh, we, we didn't really get affected too much by this, but some of our brothers and sisters in Eugene did. So we did a big clothing giveaway because we have a really strong clothing ministry. And a, a lot of our college students volunteered in that. And we were giving uh, emergency clothing jackets and warm socks and stuff to to the victims, so that was really great. But these wildfires, they touched us, affected us, right? Let's go to the next one. Let's look at Jeremiah's world, though. The Lord gave full vent to his wrath. He poured out his hot anger, and he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. So in Jeremiah's time, he was also familiar with wildfires, but it was the burning of the temple, right? Uh, let's go to the next one. This is Jeremiah's world. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor any of the inhabitants of the world, that a foe or enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Now, I don't, I'm not going to get too political here, but let's go to the next one. You remember that feeling that you got just recently when our capital was under attack. Uh, we thought, man, how could this happen in our safe, happy Christian nation, Right? Jeremiah had that exact same feeling that we were having. His capital got invaded by the Babylonians and burned to the ground. So uh, really, uh, you can see here that Jeremiah was in a similar situation to us, but also, uh, if anything, his situation was a little bit worse, or maybe quite a bit worse. Um, So, yeah, uh, so how did he respond? How did Jeremiah respond, and how should we respond? Well, Jeremiah finds hope in the steadfast love of God and waits patiently for him. Let's go to the next slide with the outline of the book. So here you can see uh, is an outline of the book of Lamentations, just if you can't, haven't read it yet. Uh, so... It starts with the city of Jerusalem, uh, personified as a woman, and Jeremiah is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Then chapter 2 is about God's wrath against Jerusalem. Then number 3 is this kind of this weird thing that all of a sudden it shoots up and it's very positive, talking about God's love and his faithfulness and his covenant with his people. And then chapter 4 goes down, he talks about the sin of all the classes, so all the people in Jerusalem are guilty of sin. And then fifth is a, a very sorrow, sorrowful, lamenting prayer where Jeremiah cries out for God to restore his people. So you can see here it's interesting, the structure of the book is very interesting. It's almost as if Jeremiah is seeing the ruins of his city and he's lamenting and he's weeping, but all of a sudden he turns his eyes heavenward and he remembers the steadfast love of his God and that gives him strength and hope 
And then when he looks back down at his city, he's able to pray for his city, intercede for his city, and get back to work. So I think this is a perfect book for today, uh, for where we are today. We're about at that point where we're ready to look down, right, and get back, back to normal, back to work. yeah, so let's, uh, let's go ahead now and we can read our scripture for today. So you can turn to Lamentation 17.26. Lamentation 17.26. Oh, there's not 17 books in Lamentations. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to the screen, not to me, which is usually probably a good idea anyway. Okay. Go ahead and turn there, and when you get there, I used to say, give me a smile. I guess give me a thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. All right. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I want to bring out just a few points from this scripture. We can go ahead to the blank slide. Uh, I want to bring out just a few points here. So Jeremiah is clearly going through a hard time. However, he reaches deep inside of himself and he finds the hope in God. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed because his compassions never fail. The word here, love, uh, this is chesed, which is God's mercy, his kindness, and his steadfast covenant love. So Jeremiah here is remembering his covenant with God and God's covenant with him. He's repented of his sins, and he knows that no matter what happens around him in the surrounding environment, he is still God's child, and God is going to carry him through that this time. Uh, The second word I want to look at here is the word consumed, where it says, because of God's great love, we're not consumed. Uh, This word consumed here is calling back to the imagery of Moses and the burning bush. So you remember with Moses, uh, the bush was burning, but it was not consumed because the Spirit of God was in the bush. And just like the burning bush, God's people are not consumed because his presence and his steadfast love is still with us. Let's go to the next one. The church of God is like Moses' bush, burning yet not consumed. Whatever hardship it has met or may meet with, it shall have a place in this world until the end of time. We are refined as a furnace, uh, in the furnace as silver, but not consumed as dross. That's Matthew Henry in his commentary on Lamentations 3. I think that's a great image of the burning bush. It's burning, but it's not consumed. And that's the way we are because of God's steadfast love. Uh, Finally, the final word I want to take a look at is the word portion. Let's go to the blank slide now. So the word portion. uh, What do you think of the first thing you think of when you hear the word portion? You can go ahead and shout it out if you're comfortable. What do you think of when I say food? Yes, right, you think of portion. This is what I thought of. Go to the next one. 
right? This is what I thought of when I hear portion. That's not really what Jeremiah is talking about, right? He's not saying, the Lord is my Big Mac, says my soul. Therefore, I will supersize. No, no, it's much bigger than that. So uh, in the Jewish world, your portion was your land, uh, your farmland, your allotment that came from the king. So this allotment was everything to you. It was your livelihood. It's where you got your food. This was your uh, allocation, your inheritance, your right. Everything was tied to your land. Uh, And Jeremiah is saying that the Lord is his portion. Uh, So in a way, Jeremiah, what he's saying here is they can take my land, they can take my wealth, They can take my livelihood. They can destroy my capital. They can take my family away from me. They can even make me a slave. All of those things happen to Jeremiah. But they cannot take away my God. He is all I need, and he will carry me through. So if we're putting the little song into a a modern context, this is more like saying, The Lord is my 401k, says my soul. I don't need to diversify. All my eggs are in one basket. But even that's not big enough, right? The Lord is so much bigger than our 401k, bigger than our whole portfolio. God is everything to us. His steadfast love, his covenant means everything to us. And if we have that, We don't need anything else, and there's no power on earth that can ever take that away from us. So so just remember that. Whatever we're going through, God is with you. He is your portion. So what do we learn from Jeremiah? Well, he lived through a difficult time, a time of food shortages, disease, death, wildfires, and political unrest. Yet he was able to find hope in God's steadfast love and patiently wait for God's salvation. And if Jeremiah can do it, we can do it too. Let's go ahead to the next slide. should be a blank one. Uh, So we face some challenges this year at UCC, but because of God's steadfast love, we are not consumed. Because of God's great mercy, we really have only been affected in really very small ways. God is still at work in our group, and I want to tell you about three ways he's at work. Number one, we've got some new Bible studies with Americans going on. Number two, we've got some rising leaders. And number three, God's at work, still at work in our international ministry. So, uh, Firstly, I'll tell you about the new Bible studies with Americans. So we've got two new Bible studies going with Americans. I don't have pictures of them because they would both wish to remain anonymous. But these are two students who had come a few times to our group, but just because of busyness and schedules and other stuff, they had never really gotten into a one-on-one Bible study. During COVID, schedules opened up. We were able to start Bible studies with these people. They both finished the book of Matthew and the book of Acts. And... They're still reading, and these Bible studies are going very well. They're not Christians yet, but I hope and pray that they are going to accept the steadfast love of the Lord very soon. So that's an exciting thing that's happening at UCC. Uh, The second thing is our Rising Leader program. So what I kind of realized at UCC is that uh, often what happens in the church is students go right from youth group, and then they go and then it's time for them to become deacons, right? Once they get married and and have kids. But there's really no in-between. And so I realized, well, this is part of my responsibility as a campus minister. We need to build a bridge in between youth group and deaconship 
uh, eldership student lead, or uh, ministry leadership. So we need to be training these young people. Uh, so in our student leader program, uh, We've started with our freshmen and sophomores. We have this position now called rising leader. Even before they become a student leader, uh, their first few years, they plan a couple of UCC activities, maybe one or two, and that's it, to kind of work them into this leadership program. Uh, Go ahead and do the next picture. We've actually had four rising leaders this year. Only two are pictured here. Uh, Connor, Ruslan, and Nathaniel. Parker Hansen from Kaiser is unpictured. These guys did a really great job. They, uh, they were wonderful. They each planned a couple of UCC activities, successful UCC activities. Uh, it was extra challenging because of COVID, but they did stuff. They made it work, and it was a blessing to our program. So, And all of these guys are ready, if they should choose, next year to step into full student leadership. Um, so that, that was a real blessing. I want to tell you about just one of these events. We'll go to the next one. Uh, so Ruslan, he planned a soccer activity. This will give you kind of an idea of the challenges we faced. So we were, sat down and we were planning our activities and like, we're like, what can we do? We have to stay six feet apart. We have to sanitize anything we touch. At that time, it was difficult to do anything with food. Uh, we couldn't do any trips at that time. It was very, very hard to plan an activity. And Ruslan said, well, why don't we play, play soccer? We can stay about six feet apart. We can wear masks. Uh, it should be fairly safe. And we all said, oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's do that. So we did that, and we had students from six different countries represented uh, and four different continents. So this was fulfilling our mission at UCC to communicate Christ from Corvallis to the continents. Uh, and it, w- it was just a great blessing, and uh, a lot of those students are still involved. Some of them came to our Tuesday night Devo. So a really great activity. Uh, our student leaders are doing great work. And let's go ahead and we'll go uh, to the next one here. So finally, I want to tell you a little bit about what's been happening in our international ministry. So it was kind of a challenge. Uh, Many of our international students went home uh, because of COVID. And so we kept the Bible studies going digitally, but then some of them went home and just fell off. So it's kind of a a very challenging time with the UCC uh, for international students just because the nature of COVID, right? Uh, But here is one real positive that happened. Actually, COVID... Uh, really helped this young lady come to know Jesus. I want to introduce you to Lucia here. I'll do the next slide. Uh, Lucia, she came and she was involved in our program, and she recently became God's daughter. I want to read her story to you. I'm just going to read it word for word because I think it's so powerful, Um, and let's just do it. All right, we have a new sister in Christ. Lucia is a story is a great example of students coming to Christ during COVID-19. In fact, it seems the virus actually helped Lucia discover the steadfast love of God. God is still at work. Here's her story. This is her words. I was born in a business family. My dad is Taiwanese and my mom is Vietnamese. I was sent to Taiwan when I was three years old and I only saw my parents for about one week every six months. They stayed in Vietnam while I was in Taiwan. I was in boarding school since seventh grade, so I did not have many chances to see my parents. Then I came to America and met Josh and Maria at International Orientation. They invited me to study English by using the Bible. Maria is a very nice woman and a friend for me. We scheduled meetings every week for one hour at UCC. She helped me learn English and the Bible. We also discussed personal things. 
I believe in God, but I didn't really have feelings for church because the church I attended in Taiwan wasn't like a family. It was like a system. I think meeting Josh and Maria is God's beginning action on me because they spent time with me without wanting anything from me. If I was Maria, I could not act so selflessly towards others. She is too kind and willing to spend time with me. So meeting her is my first step towards liking church. Then COVID-19 hit and I returned to Taiwan. During the pandemic, Taiwan was normal. The only difference for me was my family relationships got better. My whole family was back in Taiwan, so now we spent eight months together. In this period, my family fought a lot because we had not lived together that long for uh, we had not lived together that long before, and so we began began to see each other's faults. But one day, my brother invited me to see a new church that he liked. The first day I went there, someone on stage said something like, "Children tend to blame their parents for not understanding them, but do you understand your parents? You are their child, but they are also someone's child. You blame them." but did you ever think that it's their first time to be parents? You tend to think your parents don't care about you, but did you ever call them and ask them if they ate dinner? I was shocked when I heard these things, and it made sense to me. I wanted to change. My brother and I didn't ask my parents to go to this church with us, but our new behavior made them ask, what changed you two so much? My family believes this period is God's gift for us because my mom always prays to God that our family will be a real family. My family has always been a Christian family. I'm third generation. This is the period when I really felt love. So I wanted to try to be a better me. So I chose to be baptized and to really be God's daughter. At first, I didn't make this decision to be baptized on the same day with my brother and father. I have a habit to pray to God every night before sleep since ninth grade. During praying, I suddenly got the feeling that God was encouraging me to be baptized with my family that day. When I told my mom and church about this, my mom said she was praying to God and hoped I would be baptized with my family on that day. So I love that story. Uh, God is still at work at UCC. He's still at work in Newburgh, Oregon. He's still at work in Taiwan. And for, for Lucia, COVID-19 was able to reunite her with her family and her God. It was COVID-19, actually, that drew her to the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. So perhaps today, you've never become a Christian. You've never accepted that steadfast love of God into your life and formed a covenant relationship with him. You can do so in just a minute as we stand and sing. Or perhaps you're already a Christian, but over time, uh, worries or sin or some kind of discouragement has pulled you away from that steadfast love of God you can come forward and receive the prayers of the congregation as well as we stand and sing. God bless all of you, and just remember, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say 
Good morning. How you guys doing? All right. All right. We're going to go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. And it reads, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then 
Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. When you look in this passage, I want to go first to verse 27, and then we'll go ahead and take a part of the bread. Um, in verse 27, it talks about whoever um, takes this in an unworthy manner. What does that mean to you? I mean, if you relate this, this is going to the Corinthian Christians. Um, at the time, actually, the Corinthian Christians, uh, they were taking a part of the Lord's Supper. They were having the Lord's Supper gathering, but they were doing it. Um, they were having the rich believers um, and the poor believers, but they were taking this in a way uh, that was wrong, um, kind of to diversify those two groups. And so that's why this is kind of going out. Now, I believe, and I have faith that, like, you guys aren't taking it in that reason, but it just draws to the point that this is also serious and that we should be having a clear mindset, a serious mindset when we're going into this. So um, let's go ahead and pray and take part of this bread. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for a time to rejoice with you, a time to um, worship you, a time to take a part of this bread that represents your son's body, um, his great sacrifice that was given for us. Help us to not think of it lightly. Help us to have a clear mindset about it. And um, we are told to remember. So help us to remember that at this moment. Um, bless us in this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'll read verse 26 again. For whoever, uh, so for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, I don't know if you guys ever think about that, but we're proclaiming the Lord's death uh, when we're taking a part of this. It's not only a time for us to remember. It's a time for us to proclaim to ourselves. It's a time for us to let it sink in deeper and for it to become a truer event to us. Um, it to become more real. So uh, just keep that on your minds when we're going through this. Let's pray again. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for another moment of prayer with you um, as we take this fruit of the vine, represents your son's blood, uh, helps to think about the anguish you went through, but also the moment of him even coming down to earth for us, um, taking on as a part of his creation, as the creator. Uh, it's not an easy task, and it's one that we probably can't even comprehend, but uh, we know that you did it, and that's what matters. And so help us to never think light of that either. Um, bless us as we take apart this again. Christ name we pray, amen.
So I'll give you guys some time to prepare a little bit, but if you guys are willing to give, if you're willing to give with a cheerful heart, um, you can give through online. Um, you can also give to uh, Norma's office door and also you can mail in a check if that's what you want to do. You can pick either of those options. But as I said before, for the communion portion, that was a proclamation to ourself. But I see this as a proclamation to the world showing that like we are actually having an effect, like we want better. Um, also, we are working in the world as we should be. So know that whatever we're giving, it's not, it's not something that's just, oh, I'm going to give some money here, I'm going to give some money there, or it's just giving to church. Like, it's doing work. It's pro proclaiming the work of God. Okay. All right, I'm actually going to change the song, uh, so we can just uh, turn the screen off. Let's stand and sing. <clears throat> sing a common love. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond holding us to the Lord. A common strength when we're weary, a common hope for tomorrow, a common joy in the truth of God's word. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond, holding us through the Lord. A common strength, when we're weary, a common hope for tomorrow, a common joy in the We'll do announcements, then the prayer. You can go ahead and take a seat if you'd like. A couple of announcements to remind you of. Uh, the, I'm going to take my mask off. The first is a reminder that our Wednesday night class, uh, which has been held strictly over Zoom for most of the last year, uh, is going to be moving this Wednesday to a hybrid. So if you've been participating in Zoom and that's the way that you want to keep doing it, you're welcome to do so. But there will also be a group meeting here at the building on Wednesday night. Uh, and it'll still be distanced, we'll still be wearing masks, uh, but we want to start moving back into the building for a few more of the classes and things that we're doing. Uh, we're also planning in the next couple of weeks to have more to tell you about how uh, we see moving forward with classes on Wednesdays, on Sundays, children's classes, things like that. That's something that has been discussed and is continuing to be discussed, and as we see uh, the opportunity, those things will be happening. And so you can Keep an eye on the bulletin, and we will also make it a point to let you know 
what, what those things are going to look like in the coming uh, weeks and months. And so I uh, want to let you know about that. I also want to remind you that Kyle is uh, preparing and planning a class for those who want to mentor teens. Uh, and so if you are interested in that, it's a four to six week class, Kyle has said. Uh, it's going to be conducted primarily over Zoom, I believe. Uh, and you can talk to him. He can give you more information about that. But this is an opportunity for us to invest in the future of the congregation, in the future of God's church, wherever our, our teens may go. Uh, if we bless them and encourage them and mentor and, and shepherd them, really, uh, we give them the opportunity to do the same with others down the road. And so I'd encourage you to talk to Kyle about it. I think it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for us as a congregation to participate in. I think that's all of our announcements this morning. I want to encourage you at the end of service, uh, it's a beautiful day outside. Spend lots of time visiting with one another in the parking lot. Uh, we've got a lot of folks this morning, and so we want to make sure that we clear out, not, not to rush you away, uh, but to give us lots of space to be able to visit. And so uh, maybe visit with some of the, uh, the college students that are visiting with us this morning. I want to thank Josh for his fantastic sermon. Uh, I think that it, it's good to hear, first of all, the work that is being done uh, with UCC, but also to just be reminded, no matter what the circumstances may be, God is active, God is at work, and God is doing good things, especially when his people are faithful to continue to act as his people. Let's pray. Father God, we are, we are overjoyed to know the work that you are doing uh, at, at the college. We are overjoyed to hear of the work of these, uh, these college students, of Josh, of the, the uh, UCC program, and the, the great uh, ways in which you are working through them, uh, working in them, helping to, them to grow into maturity in your faith, uh, helping to use them to minister to their peers and to encourage them uh, to pursue you. And Father, we pray uh, that, that we are as in, excited about our faith, excited about sharing our faith as they are, that, uh, that we can have some of that uh, cross-pollination of enthusiasm and excitement because we know that we serve the same God, and so we should be no less enthusiastic in our service uh, than they are. God, we pray for our week ahead. We pray that we can be lights in our world, that we can be blessings to our neighbors, that we can encourage them to consider the good news of the gospel. And we thank you for our time together this morning, and we pray that you uh, guide our hearts, that you shepherd us, that you help us to love, uh, love our neighbors and love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful morning, or afternoon, remainder of your morning. <laughs>